lovely listeners, welcome to episode 143 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your host, the titular Stace, and joining me in the parlour this month, which is technically not the month this episode is supposed to be out, but don't look too closely at the fact that I got a little bit delayed, is the absolutely delightful animator extraordinaire, tip-top podcaster, and all-around generally rad lady, it's Danny Abram. Welcome back. Oh, Daisy, thank you so much. How are you? I am sweaty. Uh, yeah, it's good, it's good, isn't it? We, I, I've been panicking about the summer for a long time because I am officially a summer curmudgeon. I don't summer do well. Best. Yeah, I don't do well in the heat. I'm, I'm, I've literally become allergic to sunlight. That's not a joke. Uh, I have hay fever. I get very, very hot and sad, and I don't sleep, oh. and it's, all, it's dreadful. <laughs> um, so I was panicking about this summer because last summer was awful yeah. and the other day I was thinking to myself oh this one hasn't been too bad and then bam oh, heat so that's this is why this is why so we're yes, all sweating now because you said that great yeah, it's my fault I'm so sorry everyone <laughs> I got so used to it raining that I went out in raining clothes the other day and I got so sweaty oh it's dreadful trying to figure out how to dress for the British summer because it's oh. like on the one hand I don't want to have to carry an umbrella around everywhere but on the other hand it's, it's far too hot for a jacket or a coat with a hood and on the other hand I've got a fringe and I can't not protect it from the rain <laughs> I miss my fringe so much but I cannot be asked. like I don't know how you would keep keep fighting the good fight Stacey because I'm well jealous of your fringe but also my forehead would just eat that no yeah no the uh the, it's I'll tell you what it is in the summer that's the worst about having the fringe is drying it immediately after a shower yeah. because my hair is naturally very curly mm-hmm. and so if I don't dry it immediately I just get sort of like a scrunch of hair just along yeah. my hairline <laughs> it's, it's a disaster um so I have to immediately like blow dry it and straighten it but I'm sitting there with like a fan on this side and a fan on that side whilst I'm trying to like aim the blow dryer as far away from my face as I can while still actually drawing the fringe it's a it's it's fully look people don't appreciate what it's like to be a, a woman with a fringe I've just thought um, of a well good idea I think I've invented a new thing why don't we like stick greaseproof paper against our <laughs> foreheads and have the fringe over that? Why don't they sell sticky forehead covers? <laughs> I've just invented that. You can have that for free. <laughs> I'll buy some. <laughs> that actually sounds genuinely amazing. Doesn't that sound useful? Because that's the other thing, isn't it? Is if you do anything that gets you remotely sweaty, then then your fringe starts to sort of curl off into little handlebars. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's why I can't bear it. Oh, it's not fair because they look so great when they're good. I know, but they go so bad so quickly. (laughs) You're okay though because you don't have a giant forehead like I do. Are you kidding? You you have a forehead. Yeah, I'm a regular my normal forehead, person like the, forehead. The video, my forehead is as big as my attic window. <laughs> like, the worst part about this now is that I'm going to have to put up like a little screenshot of this when it, I release the episode, so people see. Like, it's not a big it's forehead. It's the same. It's not. It's not a big. You, you haven't got a big forehead. It's absolutely fine. I've got very unruly eyebrows as well, which is another good reason to have a fringe because then you don't have to bother plucking them. Because plucking your eyebrows is also shit. But this isn't Stacey's pop culture grooming hour. Grooming <laughs> parlour. <laughs> oh dear me! That though, just saying. You wouldn't, because I don't like. I am the opposite of a sensible human being when it comes to grooming. I haven't shaved my legs. Right, I'm a really hairy woman, and go. I haven't shaved my legs go. for a year and a half, nice. and they are like Sasquatch pins. <laughs> I did it through lockdown. That 2020 mm. year, I thought, come on. 
go on, let's have a look. Let's have a fucking look. See what it's like. we, went out. we all went out for a night out at the end of the year for the end of a f- film that we just finished. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I took my tights off and made every girl stroke my leg. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, look at this. Look at this. You need to see it. Why? 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 It's so much effort to shave your legs. And I've got, I've got like very pale skin and very dark hair. So it's like the, the ultimate shit combo of leg hair noticeability. <laughs> it's like literally five minutes after the shaving. I get a five o'clock shadow on my legs. <laughs> yeah, it's fully, it's completely unappreciated. Um, oh my God, anyway. this is so grooming now. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Hey, before we actually do start proper, I do want to like sort of do a, I was going to say an apology, but like not many people listen to this and I don't know that they really care for just for having a delayed episode, but as I was explaining to Danny before we started recording, I consumed zero interesting media for the first like two thirds of July and thought, um, I can't I can't record a podcast where I just go, um, hey, I've watched nothing good except like things that everybody's already heard about. Like, oh, have you heard about this movie? I don't know, The Running Man. Uh, it's like one of my favourite films. I've talked about I feel it. Like you've just times. described my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> See, the problem with me at the moment, it, well, for that part of the month was that I was just so excited about seeing Mutant Mayhem that like all I was talking about was turtles and nothing else mattered in my life, even a little bit. Um, oh, that's lovely though. I was just so excited. Uh, my, time. <laughs> my husband is like a combination of like stupidly annoyed with me slash a complete enabler because like every now and again I'll, I'll be just waffling about something turtlesy and he'll be like will you ever stop just talking about turtles and I'm like absolutely not never but then other Hello. times he'll be like have <laughs> you <laughs> seen have you seen this new action figure of Raph and I'm like fuck off my wallet can't take it so you know it's been it's been a dramatic time <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's why the episode's late because I didn't have anything to talk about in July until I saw all the things that happened at the end of it, which I'll talk about later because I'm a gracious host and I'm going to let Danny take the floor. Oh, wow! <laughs> just drop me right in it there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> just just slap you right in the deep end. Hi everyone! <laughs> Welcome to the Danny bit. <laughs> Can I have uh, a, the, the floor for a little minute? So today, when we're recording, so I don't know when this will go out, but I'm assuming. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely the, not today. <laughs> the, Puffin Rock, the Puffin Rock movie was just released in cinemas today, and that's, <gasps> that's my so biggest exciting. credit so far as an animation person. I'm so excited. And I thought, why am I not reviewing Puffin Rock? Why <laughs> am I not talking about Puffin Rock? Literally the movie I worked on, but I'm not. <laughs> but Are you not allowed? Or? <laughs> definitely go check that out if you've got kids. And if you haven't, Chris O'Dowd is gorgeous, isn't it? He's always fairly gorgeous, I think bloody lovely idiot i could just yeah. take him off oh <laughs> <laughs> so i've had a really so exciting year, i've got a really lovely day just all by myself just tweeting about it that's not poor danny that's mm-hmm. absolutely wonderful like if i if i had something that exciting to talk about i don't think you would ever stop me talking about it i'd be on all of the socials going have you heard about this thing it's got my name on it and i'd definitely be I that person taking it I'd, I'd get to the cinema and take a picture of the screen as soon as my name popped up even though i'd probably get thrown out because of having my phone on but um yeah. it's yeah, the credit doing that fine. tomorrow <laughs> yay <laughs> I'll I, can, I can confirm i can confirm don't know if like 
people who work in animation or TV or in film will agree with me. It never fucking gets old. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bit. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. I, when I was younger, it was like my thing. What I wanted to do was to see my name swizzle around in the Doctor Who opening vortex it's never going to happen because i'm not an actress and also i'd be bad at it um <laughs> but we can all have our ridiculous dreams can't we oh god let's not <laughs> open that kind of particular worms <laughs> oh no are we having a now moment innermost dream i swear to god in my like in my darkest fantasies i'm like a fucking sold out wembley stand-up comedian <laughs> man like <laughs> Oh, she's not funny she's not funny <laughs> do you know what no, it's never gonna happen somebody once said to me like it was somebody at work i just told like a, a relatively amusing story about me falling over and ripping the knee of my trousers on the way to the office and uh, she was like oh the way you deliver stuff you should definitely do stand up and all i could think was you've never been to see stand-up comedy have you because <laughs> because what i am is That's i'm it, oh, yeah i'm like i'm office funny i'm like every day you know your average person regular funny i'm not get up on a stage and be funny funny that's a that's a whole other level of talent i haven't got written material i'm not smart enough to write (laughs) (laughs) and i'm definitely not brave enough to improv something (laughs) (gasps) oh my god i went to an improv class once do do you know what i've got the moment of my life most respect for you because I have a friend who does regular improv classes and keeps saying to me do you want to come and I keep saying categorically no <laughs> like I'm so frightened I'm so so frightened it's horrible go on <laughs> oh you're really selling it go on yeah <laughs> it, was, it was it was we don't talk about it I can't I can't relive it anyway anyway I'm not here to talk about Puppin Rock I came on the show to talk about Nimona and I'm gonna start yes. with a wee bollocking because people, I slept on Nimona. I have only just watched it for this yes. show. Because I was like, shit, Stacey, I better watch something then if I'm going to come on the parlour. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't have an excuse. Like, you, you're like, oh, I didn't watch anything in July. I'm like, I didn't watch anything this year yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I freaking slept on Nimona. I saw the trailer and I was so lukewarm on it. And I genuinely Same. don't know why. I don't know where I got that. Uh, what? was that about i can't even remember it to analyze it when i look back but i do have the book and i was a fan of the book the the graphic novel so i was looking forward to it when it was first announced i was like oh yeah that'd make a brilliant film and then i saw the cg-ness of it i think i think i'm so biased against cg it's (laughs) terrible like i don't know where i've got it from why i used to work i I work in cg i don't know why (laughs) i I saw the trailer and i was like nah not what, not really what I was expecting. I don't know what I thought actually, but I watched it this week because I knew I had to talk about something. Obviously, you can't just come on and talk about shite, talk nothing, <laughs> talk about shaving your legs or not. You can't just do that. To me. <laughs> I mean, you could. Uh, I don't know how much people would want to hear it. But... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a dark part of the web where we would be a hit. You never know. Oh, yeah. But um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I watched the film this week and then I read the book again just so I'm like super topped up, full of Nimona. Okay. Nimona facts. <gasps> Oh, picture the scene. I have not that many hours <laughs> spare in my life. I was like, I'm going to have to cram this into something else. Something mm-hmm. else is going to have to give. I don't know what to do. Oh, I know what. I'll have it in the bath. So I was like, in the bath, <laughs> watching the morning. Like, this is going to be absolutely fine. 
this is fine. I've got a job to do, bath, and I've got a job to do, watch Nimona. Oh my God. The first, I want to say I was crying like four minutes in. Like I was not (laughs) expecting it to be such an emotional journey. And even now that I've gone back and I've read the book as well, like, so I watched the film and then I read the book. I was like, no wonder I'm blindsided by this emotion because it is not in the graphic novel. Mm. Oh, it's just so wonderful. Are we allowed to spoil things? I can't remember. As long as we give give a bit of a warning. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know if I can talk about it without, like, completely spoiling it. But, like, (laughs) it's... It's almost like the surprise is so lovely and surprising four minutes in. It's spoiled right at the beginning, really. I can't really talk about this emotional beast. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting for them to set up Ballister. Ballister Braveheart? Boldheart? Ballister Blackheart? No. They don't call him Blackheart in this. See? There's a difference already. I'm sure in the film he's called Ballister Boldheart. I think you might be right. I didn't write it down, but I think you no, might be I right. No, I didn't think I didn't think I would needed to because I thought like, oh, it's a clever dick. I'll just bring the book, but the book <laughs> has called him Ballister Blackheart, and I'm pretty sure that anyway, anyway. anyway. Sorry, people. <laughs> Stop worrying. I wasn't expecting them to set him up from the beginning as like a good guy. Mm-hmm. So if you know the book, and this is why I loved the book, was they make villains sexy and fun yes. and funny. So like the main characters are two villains, and they're horrible. They, they're just villainy and evil and they're plotting and they're brilliant and they're, you know, spiky and they, they wear dark clothes and Nimona's obviously uh, a little brat. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the book and that's what I loved about it. That there's ne- the, there's, I normally do love like the darker or the, the villainous characters and anyone with a bit of an anti-hero sort of stance mm. and that's why I love the book. So when Ballister is in the... Why have I forgotten words? The institution, is it called? Oh my god. I've only just watched it and I swear I can't remember. Anyway, he's in there as a good guy and he's going to this big ceremony. He's good. I was like, holy shit, this is novel. Where are they going with this? And then, this is the huge spoiler though. Sorry, people. Maybe click out. Maybe come back. It, it, it is minutes. right at the start of the film. I think right it's fine. Right at the start of the film. <laughs> Ballister kills the queen. Oh my god, I was bawling my eyes out. I couldn't believe it, especially with how they were setting up Ballister and Ambrosius, um, Golden Loins as actual boyfriends right from the beginning. Oh, I mm-hmm. loved it so much. I wasn't expecting it. And then I was like, well, shit, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> It was so, so lovely. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, Nimona is a film on Netflix, a CG animated film, and it is based on a graphic novel by the brilliant Nate Stevenson, who was also co-writer of Lumberjanes, co-creator of Lumberjanes, which I freaking recommend. That's mm-hmm. a series of comic books. And showrunner of She-Ra. Yes. The Princess of Power. So, so good. Just an all-round freaking cool icon yeah (laughs) and that is what this film is based on so you can check out the book if you love the film i would do both i would i would go buy the book anyway because it's brilliant and then i would go watch the film anyway because it's freaking brilliant (laughs) so the thing i love about it like the it's set in sort of a medieval future a future medieval sort of world (laughs) love that i've not seen that anywhere else so it's wonderful yeah. Just so fun to look at. So they've got the knights and the armor and the jousting and the castles, but they're all on like Bluetooth headsets and, <laughs> <laughs> and big screens and shiny holograms. <laughs> I That's love wonderful. it. I've never seen anything like that. And it's just so novel because I love that 1500s medieval sort of look anyway. Yeah. And then obviously to marry that to the future, I'm like, I don't know where you get those ideas, you crazy, crazy person, Stevenson. <laughs> but here we are. 
and the character designs are just lush like it doesn't look anything like the book and mm. I think maybe that's why I was lukewarm on the trailer when I first saw it I was like what is this <laughs> yeah I think that's why I, I had a bit of a problem with the trailer as well because I so I I am in the, <laughs> the fairly unique position of having read the book and know that I enjoyed it but because of the aforementioned terrible memory that I have basically forgotten everything about it except that Nimona is a shapeshifter <laughs> like that is the only thing that sank into my brain and that I liked it so um when I saw the trailer I I immediately was like well it doesn't look like what I remember of Nimona so I don't know how I feel about this yeah and uh, and weirdly in in the trailer it worked for me once I saw the actual like movie but in the trailer everything felt a little bit flat and I don't yes I don't know what that was and Same. I don't yeah, I don't. I, I just nothing about it like sort of hit me in the fanny as being like, yes, I've got to see this. But I had like a Saturday where Rich was uh, out seeing like some of his workmates or something. Oh no, he'd gone to see like Blur or something. He went to London to see a band I don't care about. And <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, so I was like, well, I'll pop my moaner on because Rich didn't give half of a hoot about it. So I was, I'll pop it on. I might as well. I've got the telly to myself. And yeah, like within about five minutes, I was crying. And then like halfway through, I was like, this is an emotional roller coaster. Somebody get me some chocolate this instant. Uh, and then by the end, I was like <laughs> openly weeping. So <laughs> like, it's so fucking good. And what's great about it, and I will say this about pretty much <laughs> like is it doesn't fuck around. There are so many films now that are like good hour and a half films, but for some mm-hmm. reason they're two and a half hours, three hours long. And you're sitting there going, well, what's all this extra shit here for? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you've got a three-hour story to tell, great, I can sit through a three-hour movie. But if you are a solid hour and a half movie, but you're making me sit here for an extra hour and a bit, no, get out of my face. You don't need it. And Nimona was great because it came in and it told the story it wanted to tell and it did it really beautifully, I thought, and genuinely made me feel things and then was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> and just finished and I was like, yeah, no. oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> like I could so get on board for like 90-minute movies. I love them. <laughs> Same. I feel like you're, you're in my house. Like me and Nimona about this all the time. Like I don't go three hours. <laughs> is like I say like I mean one of my favorite films of was it last year or the year before was um RRR I don't know if you've seen that it's literally never heard of that it's a three it's a three hour Indian movie and it is absolutely batshit fucking insane it's it's just full of like fight sequences where people throw tigers at one another and there's flaming bows and arrows and just every time there's a fight sequence you think how could this get more insane and then the next one comes along and it's even more insane and you just don't even know what you're looking at half the time and it's breezes by the three hours it's fucking phenomenal so i'm like yes i will happily sit through a three-hour movie if it is like that but like yeah, it's like when you see, like, so many, I mean, particularly the superhero movies at the moment, it's like if you tighten that up to, like, an hour and a half, hour and 45, I'd be so on board. But for some gone. reason, you're pushing three hours, and I don't know why. <laughs> like, stop! And the pacing's a mess these days. Yeah. Like, mm. I don't mean to sound old, but... <laughs> oh, I'm watching things, and I'm like, you're all over the place for, like, five fucking minutes, and then you give me a half-hour sequence that's boring as shit and nothing happens like what's going on and then suddenly 
characters have to cross the planet and that's that's told in five minutes i'm 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 speaking specifically to dark knight rises (laughs) (laughs) oh dark knight rises is a disaster that's the one i hold up as like the example of like films have gone to shit (laughs) (laughs) well that to me to me that was mostly because like bane was one of my favorite batman villains from the comics so i was so excited for that film and then like tom hardy comes out doing that accent and i was like what is this Okay, I what didn't hate that. that so. <laughs> <laughs> but Nimona, it's so But Nimona, I'm so sorry. Yeah, back to Nimona. So it's a classic good versus evil story set in like this cool medieval future. But it's kind of flipped because you're on the bad guy side. But they've got like this brilliant uh, justified, <laughs> they're justifiably bad mm-hmm. because the world is seemingly against them. And I love that. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I love seeing tales told from that sort of perspective. That it doesn't it's not really doing anything new in terms of like it's still fairy like fairly mm-hmm. fairy tale esque. So there's like a city with a castle in the middle and there's a queen on the throne and no one's allowed outside the sea walls for some reason, which is never <laughs> really explained. But then at the end the wall falls down, yay! And then we're all hello, we're in the outside world and everything's great again. Nimona herself, the character, is a shapeshifter, <laughs> which I forgot to say, but you just put in there. Thank you very much. <laughs> And that's not something I, for some reason, that's not something I remembered about the comic. Mm. I, it, obviously, it's a massive part of her character and she's in and out and she can do things and drives the plot forward because she can turn into stuff at will. And that is a massive help to Ballister <laughs> to get what he wants in the book. But for some reason, I just remembered like the heart of it and like the, mm. the humour of it and the fact that they were deliciously bad in the comics like the, yeah. I, I did go through it just to make sure I was remembering it right because I was like what is this movie coming in here with this good guy that's hot as fuck like <laughs> he's so handsome <laughs> but he's so good at heart but he's like painted as a bad guy by accident that's not what I remember I thought this book was about villains so I went back and read the book again just to make sure I didn't know what I was talking about and it is that like they are deliciously bad like they they almost enjoy being bad they enjoy plotting they enjoy coming up with <laughs> murders and schemes and, and what have you. <laughs> and and the, in like the Ballister is always like batting her back, like you can't murder people in the morning. No, like, no, stop it. So there is that. <laughs> but like, it's so different. But I just love the characters so much. Mm. Like there is so much more to Ballister in the film, even though it's almost like you, you get less of them in the film than you, I feel you do in the book. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Is it because it takes longer to read? I'm not sure. <laughs> or you feel like you've been... <laughs> Maybe. So the yeah. film is like, like you said, it's fast paced. It's quite quick. It, it gets in and out. It's over and done with. It's a riot. But you get more of Ballister, way more. And the relationship with between him and Golden Lion is just so full and so yeah. rounded in such a quick amount of time. Whereas in the comic, you never really get the full story. Mm. There's like little hints all the way through. And then at the end, it seems like they were together or they are together. There's like one panel where there's a sort of... I would say familiar embrace. <laughs> like, it's not really said, though. It's not said. Whereas in the film version, right from the beginning, they are out gay and they love each other. And I cried immediately because that is just mm-hmm. so lovely. I, I can imagine that if you read the graphic novel and you uh, projected that relationship onto those two characters, that that's how, that's how it would have gone in your head. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> It reached into your head and plucked out the fanfic that you had. <laughs> like, <laughs> made yeah. it this like absolutely gorgeous storyline, which the whole time I was just like, I'm on the edge of the bath, like, 
please don't let this go wrong. And like there's um so when Ballister kills the queen, it is obviously a setup, it's an accident. We see that like there's no way you you're led to believe there's no way this could have been real. But Golden Lion doesn't know that, and the whole time you're like, oh god, please don't turn against him, please don't turn. Against him. You're like you're like on the edge of your seat, like you need to see, <laughs> you need to see what we see. And and lots of films would have gone that way, wouldn't they? They would have pitted them against mm. together against each other forever. That's like the plot of a million movies where there's been a misunderstanding, and then they they become nemesis. So. Oh, there's just this hot, like almost horrific waiting for this to get resolved in a really fun way. I haven't even talked about Pneumonia yet. I keep trying to mention her and then like I just get sidetracked <laughs> with Bowser because I just love him so much. He's uh, so brilliant. So, so she can shapeshift and she and she, I feel like she does it so much more in the film than she did in mm-hmm. the comic. I don't know if that is a fact or is that how I'm perceiving it. And it is funny. It is mm-hmm. full of action, full of naughtiness, but it's really funny as well, which I... The comic is very funny, but it's funny in words. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like the way <laughs> yeah. they quip. And she she does have like some... I almost found it a little bit too thick with the one-liners. But then when I went mm. back through the comic book, I was like, this is very true to her character. Like she is a yeah. one-liner little, little brat. I don't know how yeah. I... I don't explain her any she's better a, than... She's a sassy little brat. <laughs> sassy little brat. Um, in the book, she has a bit of a different backstory... Whereas in the film, I feel like it felt so much more heartfelt and so much more natural for her to have this like really sad moment in her childhood where she was rejected by mankind mm-hmm. and for that to come back and feed into the finale. And like, I, I cried at that. Like, there's definitely oh. something underneath going on that's simmering away in her. Like, she won't let it, it, like, won't let anyone in. And you're like, come on, chip away. What's going on? What's going on? And then there's a lovely, like, flashback scene of when she was um, a child. I can't tell you how old. She is because she seems ancient. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, what that that sort of age range was, but like that sequence, the score to that genuinely made me just start crying. And I can't listen to that piece of music independently from the film now without getting upset. Uh, (laughs) It's a genuinely beautiful piece of music, and I was just like, oh god, I'm so glad Richard's up here. I love that. I love that. Mm. So yeah, the, the the fable in the film is sort of like she's almost the other side of the coin to Glorith. Glorith. Mm. <laughs> the the <laughs> queen lady, which also seems like a bit of a legend because there's um there is a bit of a plot point where the uh the director who is the main main villain of the film who is support like the whole way through the film you think she's good it's really interesting how the good the bad guys the good guys are in are in dark colors and blacks like that traditional like black versus white bullshit but all the all the good guys who are the bad guys are all in this white castle and they're all wearing white mm. so she is the director to the queen so when the queen dies at the beginning she's sort of like second in command i assume i don't know it's never really like explicitly mm. just said is it which is great they look like carbon copies of each other so i assume she's <laughs> some sort of lady in waiting don't know anyway what point get back to the plot there's a scroll that she finds in order to turn the world against namona and everything she is and it sort of alludes to the fact that glorith had the queen had beaten a monster in the past and it does look like the past past doesn't it like why would you have a scroll when you've got lcd screens hollow screens everywhere Like, she's wearing a friggin' headpiece, you know what I mean? Like a Bluetooth headset, but she, she mm. finds a scroll anyway. I'm not questioning it. <laughs> it totally fits with the world. If I'm making this sound more confusing than any feet, I, I apologise. And I will straight up tell you, I am not 
a professional film critic. Um, <laughs> Neither am so, I, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this scroll and it, it alludes to the fact it seems like she's some sort of ancient evil. It seems like she's ancient. So I, I couldn't Ooh. tell you like where she places, like what, what her age is or what have you. But it does go back to that like Glorath versus Nimona meeting when they were children. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still a bit jury's out on that. Whether that it works because I totally fucking bought it. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, <gasps> no fucking way. But now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, I can't. I can't describe it to someone. I can't explain it very well. So maybe it's not the best. Who knows? So then, when she becomes this monster that she's prophesied to be at the end, tears, tears are a streaming. Right. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> balling about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then it ends up being like this really fr- oh this really friggin' lovely moment where Ballista has to like stop her from being the monster that she could be by reminding her that she is loved and, and she's accepted by him i mean that's standard movie shite that isn't it like that happens in like yeah every movie but this one felt real <laughs> i i think and i and this could just be just uh just my personal reading of it but I felt like this film resonated with me quite a lot more than other films that do similar stories like because like you say that sort of uh you know our uh, sympathetic backstory to a villain and like yeah. you know stopping somebody from going like full asshole um to, you know <laughs> like that's that's yeah like you say it's like it's like Hollywood bread and butter and it but I think with yeah. this I think it's because it had such good queer representation throughout oh that that it resonated with me more because it felt like Nimona's story was like the story of somebody sort of not really accepting themselves and taking on what society thinks about, you know, certain minorities, certain groups of people. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it, it was very easy for me because I've always, oh, this is going to sound really pathetic, and I do apologise to any of my family who hear this, but I've always felt like a bit of an outcast in my family because I am like the opposite of everybody in it in that I'm like an introvert and anxious and depressy and a nerd and bookish. And like all the rest of my family are like, let's play sports and run around and talk to people. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just watching cartoons in the corner, like, do I have to people? I don't want to. So, like, I've always felt like a bit of an outcast. And then I think growing up asexual and not knowing that that's what that even was until much Mm. later in my life definitely made me feel like I was, like, a broken fucking weirdo. And so when I see films like this, and it's so, like, sympathetically done and it's so realistic, and because it has those extra queer themes, it just felt like, to me, it was like it was speaking directly to me. And I was like, oh, I can't cope. (laughs) Just having, like, a full ball in my living room. Uh, I absolutely adored it. I thought it was wonderful. I keep referring to her as she, her, because... I sort of read the book and then I projected that onto her. But she even explicitly says in the movie when Ballister says something like, why don't you just be a girl? It'll be easier. Like, turn back, turn back. I can't I can't deal with you being a bear right now or whatever. <laughs> and she says, I'm not a girl. I'm Nimona. And that yeah. is like, oh, right. Mm. Just out there, fucking sleeves out. I'm Nimona. It's so nice for someone like that to be so cool. Mm. and be the main character and be the powerful one and the brilliant one and the one that is funny and cool and you think like obviously like there's a little backstory there but it's got nothing to do with like who she is well (laughs) 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 nothing to do with nothing to do with like what she can be and who she is but Mm. and everything to do with like the other side of the coin which was Glorette's changed 
opinion of her do you know what I mean like in that yeah. moment when they're in the um yeah. so in the flashback there's a bit of a <laughs> the good old medieval village burn down session which like happens in all <laughs> old folk tales right but they think it's Nimona maybe I can't remember why the fire starts I'm pretty sure they're all attacking her or being like witch witch you know like you know the proper little old school witch hunt you're a monster you're a monster what are you doing and then accidentally the <laughs> the village burns down as medieval villages are wont to do and that is when the people turn Gloreth's mind on Nimona, saying, she's a monster, you need to get away from her. And she doesn't fight that, even though she's just spent 15 minutes playing in the woods with her best friend, mm-hmm. loving it, loving the fact that she's a shapeshifter, loving the fact that this is everything that she can do and be. And it benefits her massively <laughs> as a friend. And you get the impression that it's reciprocal and they're both accepted by each other and they love each other. And then it's, it's her that rejects it based on one whisper based on one opinion which mm. horrendously can happen can't it because like family's influence on you can just be so it just goes right to your core can't it and you have to fight that but on that point though i do believe Glareth was did had gone on a personal journey over her time because when you do meet her right at the beginning of the film when she is the queen she's embracing ballister into the knights isn't she and saying anyone can be a knight even a commoner like Ballister. So I feel like there's a little hint there that there's been a hero's journey that she's been on yeah, and yeah. became a good queen. And if only it hadn't played out how it did play out, maybe she would have been reunited with Nimona. Mm. And who knows? Who knows? It, it feels like she was a good person when she was killed. Mm-hmm. Don't, I don't know. We don't have enough information. But yeah, the fact that Nimona's the main character and she's wicked cool. And she's, she not really a she. And she's not a she, she's Nimona. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was my point. That must that must feel real fucking nice mm. for the um people that aren't used to seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's um like I didn't want to I don't want to talk about this too much because it's very new and I know you haven't seen it and also uh I'm gonna do a spoilerific separate episode of podcast in a half shell about it. But like the main thrust of mutant mayhem is the boys trying to become heroes because they want the world to accept them. And there's like a heartbreaking moment where like the entire of New York mistakes them for like villains. Raph says, oh, no, everybody thinks we're villains. And then Donnie says, and it made me almost cry in the cinema. It's worse than that. They think we're monsters. And I was like, not my tiny babies. I can't cope with this. But it's like, it's that, it's that thing, isn't it, about how other people's perceptions of you can influence, uh, you know, your own sort of confidence and your feelings oh, towards yourself. Oh no. And yeah. like, uh, and Nimona just nails it, I think, absolutely nails it. Like I was, I was not expecting a lot when I watched it because the trailer didn't do much for me and I'd forgotten nearly everything about the book. So, <laughs> um, so yeah and also it had Beck Bennett in it who I fucking love and I was like oh my god a surprise Beck Bennett because I didn't I didn't know he was going to be in it and he's cool. got a wonderful voice that I would listen to all day every day like he could read a phone book at me and I'd be like all right that's great thanks <laughs> just put that on repeat <laughs> yeah I think that would be like the best sleep aid <laughs> in the world um I was but reading, yeah I absolutely loved it I was reading a self-help book <laughs> lately which is my whole personality now that's all I do is read self-help books and there was a line and I can't remember where I read it sorry like this is a problem I've just I've got I think I think I might have seven books on the go and I think is that normal who cares and there was a line in one of them that was something like I am not who I am I am who you think I am 
And it's exactly that point that you just said where you can be so influenced by what someone else thinks of you that you lose yourself completely Mm -hmm. and you then act that role to that person or whoever. So that society, say, in order to survive. Mm -hmm. I can't go much deeper than that because I don't remember where I read it and whether I got a conclusion. But I just remember that line being like, oh, my God good god that is the human condition isn't it <laughs> that is being brought up on earth in the year 2023 i am mm. who you think i am oh bit of that yeah. sorry oh, it's, it's very heavy isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really fun movie with so many lines, so much action and so much to look at and so many cool characters and it goes this fucking deep as well like <laughs> and it does it all in like 90 minutes i think that's what that's what truly blew my mind is that like you get such a feel for all of the characters and all of their relationships yeah. but it doesn't it, it doesn't waste a second like at all it really doesn't it's yeah. so good yeah truly adored it we've been talking for so long purely about Nimona <laughs> but it's fine, it's I have fine. A, I'm sorry have I fulfilled the brief <laughs> you fulfilled, you've absolutely fulfilled the brief it's was there anything else that you wanted to waffle about because I've got a couple of things on my ye olde list just go go watch it don't sleep on it don't be Danny Abram yeah. go watch it because it's so <laughs> lovely and it's so heartwarming and brilliant and it's a feast for the eyes concur I wholeheartedly concur <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh do you want to hear about some space adventures yes please that's why I'm here I went to London a couple of weeks ago for Richie's birthday and uh, uh well <laughs> I say it was for Richie's birthday. What happened was I bought us tickets to see Ben Schwartz and friends in London, which was the day after his birthday. So Rich was like, oh, ho, ho, let's go up to London on my birthday and let's go and see Groundhog Day, the musical. So I had a lovely one, two of a musical and then improv. And uh, first first things first, Groundhog Day. I know, Groundhog Day, the musical, (laughs) was amazing. But I will say this, Rich accidentally bought front row seats. I don't know how he did it, but he did. And I've never felt more uncomfortable in my life because there were several uh, singers in the cast who liked to look at the people in the front row quite intensely while they were singing the whole time. And I was like, my contact! (laughs) I didn't like it. (laughs) <laughs> it was scary, but the play itself was absolutely amazing. So it's uh, the the um, songs are by Tim Minchin. Oh, um, brilliant! Yeah, I was a bit worried about it, and I said this to Rich because, firstly, Groundhog Day, despite the fact that it's got Bill Murray in it, is one of my favourite movies like ever. I think it's brilliant, um, and I was a bit worried about the repeating day aspect of it because I was like, "Are we going to hear the same like four songs like sixty three times?" Ooh, I didn't even think that didn't even cross my mind, but yeah, that would be a problem. Was the, the first thing I thought was I'm gonna get bored of what? this real fast but thankfully the way that they sort of like present the repeated days to you is such that they'll show you different sections of the same day so you're not always seeing the oh, same people and so clever. and then they'll like speed it up so you whiz through the day so it's kind of like a medley of all the songs and like so they get around it that way um and the songs are good enough anyway that I think I, I would be quite happy hearing a few of them like two or three times so it was absolutely fine the performances were all amazing, but the thing that really struck me about it was the staging. And I'm not going to talk too much about it because I really would like people to go and see if you can. I know the theatre's expensive and we're in a cost of living crisis and it's an absolute luxury, but 
if you are in or around London and can afford it, wholeheartedly recommend because they've got like, I don't know, like 17 different locations they go to. But like some of them are like, yeah, there's like there's a brilliant bit where there's like a van chase that's actually like a small like prop van on a stick that people are like running around with with like (laughs) other cars chasing them and stuff. It's brilliant. Oh, I love Um, how inventive that is. I love theatre. I never go. And it's always an absolute experience, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to the theatre and come out disappointed. Even when I haven't particularly yeah. like loved the thing I've seen, I've still been like, you know, there's been a performance that stood out or a bit of staging that was amazing. But the bit that mostly struck me in this was, you know, the sequence of the film where he just kills himself loads of times over because he's just <laughs> fucking done with having to do the whole day all the time. That's, that sequence in the play is great because I don't know how they did this, but they managed to get the main guy to be like killing himself on one side of the stage and then waking up in the bed on the other and it was the same guy somehow and I was like I don't understand how this works this is magic (laughs) (laughs) like entirely lost my mind over it so yeah I would absolutely wholeheartedly recommend it if you can um if you can go and see it wow and then I wasn't uh, expecting a theatre wreck I am well (laughs) I'm so impressed (laughs) (laughs) do you know what it's the first time I've been to the cinema I think before we we went to see the book of Mormon in Birmingham the week before lockdown (laughs) Oh wow! And that was yeah, that was the last time I went to the to the theatre. We don't we don't tend to go an awful lot because it's so expensive for what it is. Mm-hmm. But like I say, every time I go, I have a fucking whale of a time. And because it was Richie's birthday, we were like, ah, oh, wearing somebody on it, you know, a celebration in it. So that was amazing. And then the next day, we saw Ben Schwartz and Friends. And this one, I can't really recommend to people because he's not touring Europe with it. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah. Oh. You snooze, you lose people. Yeah, he literally (laughs) came to London and even said on the stage that he was like, I did not think this through from a business point of view. I'm going home tomorrow. What what did I do this for? Like, it was... (laughs) It was genuinely nuts. Is Ben um, Schwartz the guy? He's one of the voices in Rise, Rise of the Leo. Thank you. I was like, yes. name, name, name. I know that name. <laughs> well, I, I'm a, I, I will freely admit, I'm mildly obsessed with. I'm, I'm mildly obsessed with Ben Schwartz, and I have been since he appeared on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast and TV show. Right. Um, he does a lot of like improv character work, and it's very, very funny. Right. Um, I'll have to look that up. So I was like, yeah, I was already like, even before he was in Turtles, I was like fully on the Ben Schwartz train. Um, and here's a little, here's a little fun slash terrifying story for you. I think I was about half an hour away from accidentally meeting him on the on the time that I was in London, and I just about missed out. Uh, because, well, what happened was, you know, here's the thing, right? What happened was, me and Rich were in a bar, and the when we went to that, it was it was fully empty when we arrived. It had been open for like three hours, but it was like fully empty. It's in Hammersmith. I've never been to Hammersmith. It's not a great part of London, I've discovered. (laughs) So we went to this bar and uh, the the bloke was like clearly very bored. So he was chatting with us and asking what we were up to. And we were like, oh, we're going to see Ben Schwartz and friends and blah, blah, blah. We had to explain to him who Ben Schwartz was (laughs) uh, because he was like, but. So we were sitting down with our drinks and about 20 minutes after we'd had that discussion with him bear in mind this is a very large place and it's completely empty except for me and rich and then one other singular man who'd entered and sat like the other side of the room so the guy comes over and puts like reserved table thingies on the table next to me and the one next to that one was reserved for ben and one was reserved for mary now at the time i at the time, I didn't know that one of the and friends was Mary Holland. So I'm almost convinced that those seats were for them and that he specifically 
put them there so that they would be next to me and Rich. But we left because the atmosphere in there was so weird. And also I'd sort of convinced myself that if that was for Ben Schwartz, I could not be cool about it, so we'd have to go. <laughs> uh, and I genuinely think it was. Uh, I know. And so Rich was no. I don't, I don't know for sure because I'm not gonna. I'm not about to ask him. Excuse me, did you have dinner at the Craft Beer Co? Because like I'm a ugh, what? But um, I was saying to a friend of mine, I said I feel like I'm about like I'm about like thirty percent disappointed, but like seventy percent relieved because I would not have been any sort of cool about that if he'd have walked in and sat at the table next to me. I because like I've got this rule about celebs where I categorically will not approach a celebrity if I see them doing like normal person things because I think that's rude and unfair. Yeah. Like if they're just I feel sorry trying to have situation. Yeah. Yeah, they're just trying to have dinner or a pint. Just like leave, leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> so I was asking a bit because I said to Rich, if the if the barman specifically put those like those seats there because he knew like to you. Yeah, I was like that that is weird. If I was Ben Schwartz and I found out that the barman had done that on purpose because two fan knobs were already in the corner, I'd be like, no, put me somewhere out. Like, this this room is empty. <laughs> like, yeah, if I was Ben Schwartz doing? walking in there, I'd be like, is there another one? Yes, but, um, over there. <laughs> yeah, there's several. Take your pick, mate. You didn't even need to reserve it. But, yeah, I'm like 70% relieved because I think even though I wouldn't have tried to – talk to them i know for a fact if he'd have even walked in that room I'd, my face immediately would have belied the fact that i knew who he was and then i wouldn't have been able to hold a conversation with my husband at all because i'd be like bitch was over there bitch was over there and it turns out as well that the and friends were mary holland who i absolutely adore colton dunn who i think is great and drew tarver who is genuinely one of the funniest comedians like ever who does a tv show called the other two which if you haven't seen it you absolutely should because oh, it's saying all words that i've never heard of i feel like <laughs> the worst person to be on your podcast right now i'm writing no, it's absolutely down fine. as quietly as i can with a pencil <laughs> you can't see me but i'm like google mary holland <laughs> I, absolutely, I absolutely adore mary holland she's so funny um, oh, they're all comedians. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's sure. Yeah, so it's an so it's an improv show, and admittedly, immediately I thought it was one of the funniest things I'd ever been to because the first person that they talked to in the crowd said she worked for a, a homeless charity that was currently creating a vegetable orchestra, and of course, everyone in the crowd just fell apart because they were like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> so she was saying that, that apparently they can make working instruments out of vegetables, like a tiny like carrot piccolo and shit, and then they. They cook and then they cook them all at the end into like a stew or whatever so that the homeless peeps can have them and I was losing my mind because I was like it would be full of spit it would be full of somebody's spit like oh, why I didn't even go that what far. are you doing yeah, I, like I, I think I need to look this charity up uh, because I cannot fathom how anybody thought putting food in your mouth and blowing around on it and then cooking it up is a bit like multiple people just, just make the soup skip the orchestra just make what, the stew you not like <laughs> <laughs> I was losing my mind straight away. Um, so then they did like a, that one? No, thankfully. <laughs> um, I made sure, because there were a few quite close to the front available, but I'd said to Rich, like, I don't want to be anywhere near anyone who might talk. <laughs> yeah. In fact, um, the blokes who were sitting... The blokes who were sitting the other side of me, because like Rich was on my uh, on my left and these two guys were on my right, and they were like, uh, one of them was trying to talk to the other guy, like talk him into saying something or like putting his hand up or whatever. And the other bloke was fully like me. He was like, don't draw attention to me. I don't want it. <laughs> you are no longer um, my friend. <laughs> yeah, 
he was like if you put your hand up and then try and get me to say something i'm leaving <laughs> but um but the actual like improv comedy that they did was like so funny like you know when you laugh so hard that like your stomach hurts and your face oh, yeah. hurts oh, and your throat God. hurts I laughed myself fully into a migraine. <laughs> like it was like nonstop for like an hour. And then I had to get the tube back to the hotel, the hot sweaty tube back to the hotel. And I was just like pressing my temples like, oh, it was so worth it. It was so worth it. Oh, um, yeah. If he comes back, he was talking about doing like a proper Europe tour next year. Uh, so I'm really hoping that he comes to the UK again. And I'm going to do I'm going to cross all my crossables that will come to Birmingham. So I don't have to brave London for it because I do kind of hate London. It's very yeah. Like that is a full on day out in London. Like that's not just popping to London and then turning back round and coming home. Like that's two massive events in London in a weekend. Yeah. Like I would be dead. Yeah. Like by the time we got home on the Friday, I was like, because it because of it being my hubby's birthday as well, we'd planned on the Saturday to go out with a bunch of his mates in Birmingham. And by the mm-hmm. time it got to bed, like oh my god, it was about nine o'clock. I was like half asleep in the pub, like, uh, and I'd also caught a lurgy on the tube, so I wasn't feeling great. Um, yeah disgusting <laughs> um but yeah overall absolutely uh full full recommend if ben schwartz does a tour next year that you go and see if you like to laugh um I do like I, laughing yeah i love laughing it's one of my favorite things to do except when it gives me a migraine <laughs> it was <laughs> though, honestly, that. I, that's amazing i genuinely don't think i stopped laughing for the full hour that they were on stage oh. because like it's the whole time like- Somebody was doing something funny. Yeah, it was. Well, I tweeted about it, and I was like, "Oh, that was like genuinely good for my soul." That was yeah. like, I don't, I don't um, care how I feel physically because it genuinely. Serotonin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah. what is it? Rob Paulson says the um, Rob Paulson, the voice actor, has got a podcast, and he always used to say like at the end something like, um, "Like laughter is the best medicine because uh, you can't OD and the refills are free." And I was like, "That's." genuinely like yeah so true yeah me too i love rob paulson he's wonderful um but uh yeah so those are the those are the two adventures that i went on um and then i also took a day off work so i could do the barbenheimer (laughs) oh did you do it the two oh my god which one did you do first though well we did oppenheimer first because i was convinced that i I wasn't gonna like i wasn't i don't i didn't think i was gonna like oppenheimer because even though i do generally like christopher nolan's movies most of them sort of I knew it was three hours long and I knew it was a movie where it's just people talking. So I thought, my head's going to fall off. I'm going to be re bored. So we'll like have some lunch and then we'll watch a Barbie and I'll be like, back um, up again yeah <laughs> as it turns out both of them five star movies for space oh, wow okay yeah. i don't know how he did it but something about oppenheimer was just thoroughly mesmerizing like the whole way through i couldn't take my eyes off it and it wow. never it didn't feel like three hours to me at all even though it is just people sitting and talking standing and talking walking and talking <laughs> like That's it's really just funny because the trailer felt three hours long to me <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I think it's because it's like, even though you know what's coming because you know who Oppenheimer is, it's like there's so much like tension and build up and like... And, I do like a bit of drama. Yeah, it's it's very dramatic. Although I will say, one <laughs> somebody t- <laughs> somebody tweeted a joke about the film that I now can't get out of my head, and I can't stop thinking about how true it is. Which is that uh, Emily Blunt plays Oppenheimer's missus. And uh, do you ever have you you ever seen? Um, I think you should leave. No, I it's don't a, think so. I've not heard of that. Oh, it's a comedy sketch show that's on Netflix, uh, and right. it's by Tim Robinson, right who is down. wonderful. 
<laughs> and uh, in, there's an episode of I Think You Should Leave where he plays a character who like goes up on stage during a magician's act and the magician makes him look like a bit of an idiot. And then his wife is just like, the, like for the rest of his life just talking about like how she's just going to wait until the kids are 18 and then she's going to have to divorce him because he didn't stand up for himself and like what was he doing like why did you let that man just absolutely ruin you on stage he's a magician and you're an accountant and it's like a really daft <laughs> bit um and Emily Blunt's character in this is very much like that to Oppenheimer like and now right. I can't get that out of my head yeah. because she's like she doesn't understand why he's a Lerian because the, the way the film is told is it's like him trying to get his security clearance like redone so there's like an investigation into him and uh you know the the creation of the the atomic bomb and whatever so half of it is that and the other half is Robert Daly Jr. at a trial of some description I forget who oh, he plays. No, oh my god now I'm in for a courtroom drama yeah, so there's a yeah, okay. oh, it's very oh that that part's very dramatic too. Um, yeah, and it's told so all the Oppenheimer bits are in colour and all the Robert Downey Jr. bits are in black and white and it's very yeah. it's it's it visually it's really stunning the way the story sort of goes back and forth and it's not fully chronological and it's really you have to really pay attention and I think that's how it ends up making you not feel like you're there for three hours just listening to people talk but now I will I think I will laugh every time Emily Blunt's on screen now that somebody (laughs) made that connection because it's very funny to me that she's like why are you letting them talk to you like shit why are you doing that stand up for yourself man (laughs) it's it's really quite funny but I think yeah like the film the film itself was like yeah truly flew by absolutely loved it and then I went and had coffee and came back to have a barbie and uh, didn't expect that that would be the movie that I cried in but I did (laughs) It's so good. Tell me everything. I cannot wait. <laughs> I I really want to watch this film. However, mm. spoiler away because I've, I'm blessed with one of those goldfish brains. Well, thankfully, it, <laughs> I saw it long ago, long enough ago now that I don't fully remember exactly like you know blow by blow, and I'm not going to remember quotes or Perfect. anything at all. Yeah, <laughs> Perfect partnership. <laughs> exactly. But like, as you can probably guess from the fact that it's made by Greta Gerwig and it is not, it's categorically not a kid's film. It is like a, a fairly feminist movie. And the sort of like the thrust of it is that Barbie has to go into the real world for reasons that don't really matter. Ken goes with that <laughs> and sort of discovers the patriarchy. And he's like, hold on a minute. Men can do things because obviously in Barbie oh. and Barbie's the doctor, Barbie's the teacher, Barbie's the engineer, Barbie's the builder, Bar- you know, Barbie's the everything. And Ken's, you know, just Ken, eh? <laughs> so he sort of discovers the patriarchy and takes it back to Barbie land. Um, oh, my God, I had no idea that's what it was about. That is <laughs> yeah. insane. It's, yeah, I was, like, blown away in the cinema because I had no clue what this film was supposed to be about other than it's Barbie. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't expecting it to get so deeply into like women's experiences in the workplace and like women's experiences with men, but also because a lot of people are saying it's an anti-men movie, and I think they're wrong because this movie very much shows how the patriarchy is shitty for men too, mm-hmm. and like how you know shitty it is that men aren't allowed to like have emotions or have interests that aren't particularly you know masculine, blah blah blah. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think it's anti-men. I think it's anti-patriarchy. <laughs> which uh, is, a, is a different it thing. like, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there was a sort of like a section to the middle where like Barbie doesn't really know who she is anymore because she's like, well, now that men are in charge, like I'm just pretty and what's that for? Like what's, why is that important? And she has this whole like identity crisis and like this other woman has to like build her back up and the speech that the woman gives is just like, I was just sitting there like, what, how am I... 
Is this what the Barbie movies were? Is, crying? This, is this the America Ferreira? Um, uh, oh, God, what's that word when you've got like a speech? Soliloquy? Monologue. 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 Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this on TikTok. So this yeah. has been shared quite a lot, hasn't it? So that it's impossible yeah. to be a woman. That's something. Yes. Something along those lines. Yes. Yeah. And it's all the like dichotomies of like, you know, you've got to be feminine enough for this, but you also can't be so feminine that that and you've got to be pretty enough for this. But also you can't attract other men if you've got a partner or anything. And it's like all this. Sort of stuff. And it was just like it was so relatable and just kicking you in the uterus. So <laughs> I was having like having like a tiny meltdown. But also the film is genuinely hilarious, which is great because I think otherwise it would have been a massive fucking downer <laughs> for the most part. Um, good job, it's funny. Yeah, Ryan Gosling is genuinely stupidly funny. Like I, I don't particularly rate him as an actor because I tend to sit like most of the films I've seen with him in, I either think he's good or he's terrible. <laughs> like he doesn't really seem to have an in between. Um, mm-hmm. But in this, he really brings his A game. He's very aware of what he's doing and like the tongue in cheekiness of it. And it just yeah, generally Michael Sarah's great as Alan. All the women in it are amazing. It was fantastic. I didn't even know Michael yeah, he plays Alan, which was like the ver- the ver- like very short lived uh, friend for Ken doll that they had that didn't really do anything. So they binned him <laughs> off after like <laughs> after like a year or something. He's he's Alan. Um, but yeah, the, what was great about it as well was um, so one of the complaints I've seen about the film is that it's not intersectional enough. And on the one hand, yes, I fully agree because it is a very white led white woman's look at mm-hmm. right feminism. But by the same token, it's a just less than two hour Barbie movie. I don't think it could have gone more into it without becoming just not a Barbie movie. Um, video, but what it, USA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. But what it did do that I thought was quite nice was it had like a lot of different Barbies in it. So there was a Barbie in a wheelchair and she was shown to be like dancing and playing sports and like, you know, a lot of stuff that people typically in wheelchairs in movies, if they even get to be in them, don't get to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like, you know, plus size, bigger fat Barbies who were, oh my God, what just happened? Are you back? Hello? Hello? My entire screen just went black and I don't know why. Oh, heck. Uh, am I back? Hopefully that you seem, didn't ruin You seem any... fine. Okay, hopefully that didn't ruin any recording. Ooh, oof. But yeah, and there were like black Barbies. In fact, the president was a black Barbie. And like, oh, cool. yeah, gen- generally it was just like quite, um, there was a trans Barbie who was quite a prominent, in quite a prominent role. So I think it did what it could within the scope that it had Mm-hmm. But, uh, like it, de- it definitely could have it could have been more intersectional I think but I don't I don't I don't see that as a problem but I am <laughs> a white woman so <laughs> you know t- t- take my opinion with a pinch of salt on the intersectionality of this movie but yeah like I I gave both movies five stars but I think Barbie slightly pips it in the in the rankings oh, love of the it. films <laughs> yeah, it was perhaps, yeah everybody thinks you're supposed to be really smart and be like oh yes Oppenheimer caught by me what the pinnacle of filmmaking and I'm like yeah but the Barbie movie though I love um, how you've just made Barbie sound more political to me than Oppenheimer <laughs> <laughs> oh I think it is actually because even though Oppenheimer Amazing. like even though it like obviously touches on like the the use of the atomic bomb it doesn't show you any of that except for Oppenheimer's own sort of like internal crisis reaction to like oh shit what did I just do right. um it doesn't show you like the wider political thing right wow. but, uh, 
Yeah. And it is more <laughs> Barbie's more political. Oh, I really want to watch it. When am I going to get to go? <laughs> I'm I'm scared of full cinema screens and all I have seen mm. is that it's packed out, it's doing really well, it's going gangbusters and I'm like, I'll just wait till it's quiet, quiet down <laughs> so I can go sit by myself on the front row. Where's my favorite? Well, we so we went we went the opening day, so on the 21st we took the day wow. off work to see them both. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and we saw we saw Oppenheimer at I think it was in was it 11 o'clock it started 12 something like that and that was relatively full uh, but I wow. I don't normally I'm not a big fan of full cinemas either because as previously mentioned big old anxious uh, yeah. <laughs> ball of ball Sick. of nerves um, yeah. yeah but uh, what I will say it was it was actually quite nice so we saw Barbie at five o'clock which was a lot more full than Oppenheimer but like nearly everybody there was in pink and like all of the women every time they passed each other even if they didn't know each other were like hi barbie and the others were like hi barbie back and it felt like such a real Get like out. community <laughs> it was so nice it was oh really my god nice. i can't believe it that is that's bringing the world together barbie yeah, it was it was really beautiful it was really oh. beautiful and i would happy yeah, i'd quite happily go and see it again if i could be asked to drag myself out of my house but it got too hot and now i don't want to although the cinema is air-conned so you know win-win maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh that sounds so oh, good oh, I, I, lo- I loved the it really was. It was such a build up for the two movies coming out together and all the marketing and stuff like that got me excited about film like that, that mm. it got me excited for other people going to see the two films back to back so fun i love that you went yeah we uh well we'd we'd already sort of decided that we were because we've just got our city world cards back you see so we were very much like oh we've yeah. got to we've got to get our money's worth got to see all of the films yeah. um but yeah we but we both didn't want to do like evening showings of like oppenheimer because we thought it'd be a lot of people but there was yeah. to be fair because it was opening day even though it was like 11 in the morning there was quite a lot of people there um I love that but yeah, and then I took a day off to see Mutant Mayhem, but <laughs> oh. <laughs> why did that release on a Monday? <laughs> oh, did it? That is, that's unusual. Yeah, it's really, my fellas, really my fellas, weird. My fellas went to see that one. So he, he I'm normally his like cinema partner and yeah. there's not many exceptions to that rule, except for, for some reason this year, I've been to see uh, Rise of the Beast. Wait, is that what it's called? The Transformers film? Transformers and movie, yeah. It's Mayhem without me. Which is fine. That's true. You know, your boy can go do no, what he wants. Live your life. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an instant divorce in my family. But I, so you know how, like I was saying about Nimona, because it was CG, I sort of slept on it. I have the yeah. same vibe about Mutant Mayhem. I saw it and was like, ah. like I'm, I'm living for rides. So then they come at me with this CG oh. thing, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, man, I don't know. So <laughs> I'm, I'm making the same mistake again. I haven't even learned. Yeah. It might be because I so I I adore Rise. I will put that out there. I am very miffed that it got cancelled before its prime and that we probably won't see any more of it. That's genuinely gutting to me. Mm. Um, but so good. I know the reason I really appreciate Mutant Mayhem's art style is because it's it's kind of like if the '87 Turtles got mixed with the original comics artwork <laughs> so it's like Ooh. darker and grittier and kind of scritchy scratchy looking I can see it that almost, yeah scratchy line to me it almost looks like claymation but painted like it's fucking stunning i lost i lost my entire mind almost immediately as it started uh because i, I like they just like showed a bit of new york and i was like rich this film is beautiful and he was like sure <laughs> <laughs> I love um, your excitement, but, though. 
Oh no, I am like since the specifically since the Rise movie came out last year, I have been on a full blown like turtles wanker. <laughs> Love that. You're always a turtles wanker. <laughs> No, I always have been, but it, it has been like insufferable level since since the Rise movie came out. And then the day after I saw Mute Mayhem, I had the day off work so I wasn't very well. And uh, and I decided to just watch the Rise movie again because of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like, what are you oh, I should have guessed? <laughs> like, yes, of course I am. Leave me alone. <clears throat> but anyway, we've been talking for a hot minute. And, uh, and I'm also slightly and concerned because you all aren't boiling. Uh, the, the the sweatiness of my underpants is truly stressful. Um, Backs my knees. I'm also... Backs my knees. <laughs> yes. Killing yeah, me. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not having a good time either. Um, <laughs> but we've got a little section. The, the show has a little segment. Cool, it's been a hot minute since uh, we did anything sensible in a segment. Um, so, hey, do you want to recommend a lovely song for our listeners to have a little put in their ears once they're finished listening to this? It, is it the song that I've already sent you? Is this the segment? <laughs> this is the segment. Unless there was anything else you wanted to talk about before we do the songs. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I was ready to talk about one thing and that was it. And now you've asked me a question and my brain has gone completely... I don't even know who I am right now. <laughs> What gone, year is this? Is the milk still good? <laughs> <laughs> and I've already had my little puffy rock piece, so no, I'm good. Yeah, I'll recommend a song. So excellent. Uh, this uh, it features in the Nimona soundtrack, and this is why I picked it. It's in a really cool bit, and it rocks. And Nimona's metal as fuck. This is. Uh, <laughs> Dad, will you just edit this pause out a second while I just go and check what I fucking sent you? <laughs> <laughs> of course I will. She says. With uh, absolute certainty. I'm just checking on Twitter right now because I was like, I did this so ahead of time thinking, smart girl. <laughs> Why do you think I write everything down in my notebook? <laughs> <laughs> it's Judas Priest breaking the law. Nice. A very, very good song. I heard it and I was like, oh, I haven't heard this song for ages. And then, I, and then I put it on Spotify. And do you know when Spotify plays like other cool shit after it? I had like yes. a proper metal day listening. I was like, oh, this is nice. Yeah, lots oh, of that's Black excellent. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Yeah, I uh, I was a bit worried about Nimona because like films seem to have like a oh let's put in a needle drop like thing going on at the moment. That's a thing that's a little bit of a bugbear of mine. Like when when films get it right, it's fine. But like a lot of films don't get it right. But mm-hmm. yeah, the breaking the breaking the law in Nimona was great. I was like, oh yeah, this is like the perfect song for this section, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's good. Wonderful. <laughs> I picked I picked a song from the Barbie movie. So to give this a bit of context, there's a there's a there's a portion of the film. So because like in Barbie Land, like Barbie runs like everything. Like yeah. the radio station is just full of like lovely poppy lady songs. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Uh, and when she's trying to get back to Barbie land after she realises that Ken may have taken some terrible ideas from the, the usual world into Barbie land, she's trying to get back there and she puts the radio on and uh, and it turns into like Ken radio instead of Barbie radio. And it starts oh. playing Push by Matchbox 20, which is oh a ludicrous God. nonsense God, song. that's hilarious. That's so Matchbox funny. Matchbox 20. <laughs> like, like we, me and Rich fully go for in the cinema over it. Yeah, I would. So funny. But then a bit later in the movie, he's like Ryan Gosling starts serenading Barbie with that song, like on his guitar. And it is truly one of the silliest performances I've ever seen. Like it's so 
so funny uh, that I just I could I could not cope with it at all. Like he's so earnest, he's singing like, "Well, I don't know if I've ever been good enough," and he's, like, he's just like pulling these faces, and it is genuinely just so funny that. So yeah, I've picked Push, but the, the particularly the version by Ryan Gosling from this soundtrack, very funny. absolutely perfect I'm really scared now that a lot of this episode hasn't recorded because your camera has suddenly become like a thousand percent behind and the timer looks wrong and I'm really frightened (laughs) oh you look okay to me though so let's plow on that's good let's plow on like everything's fine (laughs) well there's not a lot we can do about it now because we're an hour and a half in and I'm already too hot and I'm not doing it again So we'll see which bits make the cut. Um, hey, if we are still in fact recording and this is still a thing, uh, is there any other stuff you would like to plug uh, for people to find you on the internet or projects you've worked on or stuff you've got coming up? Uh, sure. So I've just started my own podcast. Uh, it's an animation podcast, but it's not about animation and it's not reviewing animation. It's sort of about the mental health of animators. <laughs> Very niche. So if you're an animator and you work in animation... And this is news to you that there is a podcast about mental health for animators. It's called Retakes Pod. Retakes Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. By me. I don't have a website, but you can find me online at Retakes Pod on Instagram and Twitter and Gmail. (laughs) (laughs) Really rehearsed. Really well done, Danny. Well done. Well done. No, that was genuinely very good. And I will say as well that even if you're not an animator, it's worth having to listen to because... uh, if you're a little ball of anxiety like me, it's delightful to hear other people talking about A, things that you can relate to, and then B, like genuine ways you can perhaps work around those things or get yeah. over those things. Like, that's, that's nice. That's like, what I was like, Yeah, I remember I sent you a message, didn't I, after the last episode where you'd been talking about travel anxiety, and I was like, oh, yeah. here's a wonderful story about a time when I almost shot myself and died because of travel. <laughs> 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 Just so that we don't feel so alone. Core blind, I hate travelling by myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to go to some training in London by myself once, and it was like during rush hour that I had to use the tube, and I've never done that before no. because I've, oh. I've managed to avoid it. And genuinely, it was one of the most nerve wracking experiences of my life. I thought I was going to get lost down there, and then I thought I was going to get pushed on the tracks. <laughs> Good me. Oh, so Somebody only has to whisper bus to me, and I will have a panic attack sometimes. Like, it depends on my mood. If, oh. I'm, if I'm super tired, all I have to do is mm. visualize being on a bus, and that is enough to cause yeah. <laughs> traveling day. Funnily enough, funnily enough, I'm okay with buses, but like anything else that I have to do, like on my own, especially if that there's a we're going way off topic now. I was trying to round up and they were talking about something else, but <laughs> um, like especially if there's like sudden last minute changes to it, like you get a train and then like, oh, actually, this is now going to terminate somewhere else, and you have to get a bus to get somewhere else and get a different connecting train, and if you miss that train, it's going to be three hours before. And you just lose your tiny mind about how yeah. you're going to get stranded in the the rurals of the UK and not know where you are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the worst case scenario is that my brain is assuming will happen and therefore set off panic. But like, what? So what if I get stuck in the arse end of nowhere? Is it the end of my life? No. Yeah, I think I think with the travel anxiety, the IBS doesn't help because sometimes that is what it's all about, man. Sometimes I'll purely be panicking that I'm like, what if there's no place for me to shit immediately if I need to? Exactly. (laughs) And on that absolutely beautiful note. 
thank you so much for joining me in the parlour again Danny it's been an absolute pleasure loved it it's been awesome to see you again <laughs> it's so nice to have the video on now even if it's not fully uh, <laughs> on the right track for me because uh, I, I've always found talking to disembodied voices a little bit disconcerting um, yeah. and then I have a webcam I can actually like bully people into webcamming at me too <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a cam girl for you <laughs> oh. <laughs> might hold you to that <laughs> Hey folks, thank you so much for there. What for tuning in? Try that again. Put my teeth in. Jesus Christ, it's so hot. I'm so sweaty. Like like I've got like a full moustache of sweat. Moffat, <laughs> let's see what my fan says. It's 27 degrees in this room. <laughs> that is too hot to sustain life. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's because this room's so small. Oh, um, yes, I'm going to go. Hey, listeners, it's been uh, apologies again for being delayed, but hopefully I'll have an episode of Podcast in a Half Shell later this month to make up for it. And if not, sorry for that too. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going. Bye, everyone. I love you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. To get in touch with me, the titular Stace, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour, send an email to stacysparlour at gmail.com or come and join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite spectacular actually, you can go to coffee.com forward slash Parlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah! <laughs>